Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 16. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Today, I have the opportunity to interview Pup Star Orion. Pup Star Orion He, his, him is a queer, trans, gender fluid, disabled switch and leather bull terrier puppy. Originally born in Santa Ana, El Salvador, Orion was raised in East Hollywood. He is the social outreach coordinator for Obsidian LA, a QT BIPOC volunteer run kink and education group. Orion is the LA Pup 2020-21, happily living as an ambassador for not just human pets, but trans and gender variant human pets as well. An educator, Orion teaches everything pet play, including dark pet play, and how intersectional identities affect pet spaces. He also teaches how to navigate sex and kink with disabled and chronically ill bodies through his lens as someone who lives with chronic pain. A well-known exhibitionist, when he isn't volunteering, it's common to find him under the boots of or attempting to take the fist of your local queer cutie. In today's episode, Orion talks about his experiences as a QT BIPOC disabled pup, and what led him to his identity as a puppy. He talks about accessibility in the kink scene for QT BIPOC and disabled folks. He'll describe some heavy impact scenes he has enjoyed, and also discusses the beauty and strength of kinky disabled folks. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. So here we go. Okay, I'd like to welcome my guest here today, Orion. Welcome. Thank you so much Hi. for coming on. How are you Thank today? You. I'm pretty good. Um, you know, really just starting my day. Uh, so yeah, everything's pretty chill. Yeah. The morning where you are, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like 11 a.m. Yeah, I'm on the East Coast, so it's 2 p.m. right now. <laughs> I have not been on the East Coast in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, since COVID, uh, I was traveling before COVID. I was touring. Um, So my plans were to go to New York and that didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) So I was so excited. Um, I went to your presentation that you did on disability and kink and it was was wonderful. And so I I decided to ask you to come on and I was so happy you said yes. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm so happy you asked me. (laughs) So can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Orion. I use he, his pronouns. 
I am a transgender fluid immigrant from El Salvador. Um, I was born in Santa Ana. Um, so I'm a kinkster. I'm a leather person. Um, I've been in the lifestyle for, I want to say five or six years now, basically most of adulthood. Uh, I'm a puppy. Um, Orion's actually my puppy name. Um, I'm owned by a very wonderful leather daddy. What else? Oh, I'm the social outreach coordinator for Obsidian LA, which is a cutie BIPOC uh, centric education and kink group. Um, I've been a board member there for about two years now. I think this month would be my two year mark. Um, but unfortunately we don't have the event that um, marks my anniversary this time around because of COVID since it's a very social event. Um, yeah, I'm a switch. Uh, I'm disabled, obviously. <laughs> I have fibromyalgia, chronic pain, um, some mobility issues. Now they're thinking some motor skill issues too, but uh, who knows? <laughs> always some new diagnoses uh, from my always experience. Something. I always get something. Yeah. 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 So can you tell us a little bit about what it's like being a pup and how you came to that identity? Oh, yeah. Um, so I've, I've always loved animals, especially dogs. Um, when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have like a babysitter, babysitter. We had my older brother who had to like separate all the children. Cause you know, like if you have kids um, all together, they end up fighting over something and you're cheating and I want to play this game. No, I want to play that one. So I used to get thrown into the backyard. Um, and my brother would like, just go play with the dogs. So I've always felt very connected to dogs. I had a pair of boxers growing up. Um, now I have a bull mastiff, a husky, and a dogo argentino. Um, so it's all big dogs for me. <laughs> nice. um, so everyone always told me, like, why don't you try puppy play? I think you would make a great puppy. You know so much about puppies. And I was always like, no, that's not my thing. I just don't find it interesting. Um, and a few years back, I want to say when I was like 20, 21, um, I started having really bad mobility issues. Um, at the time, I didn't know I had fibromyalgia, um, and I was I was at the point where if I went to work that day, if I went to the grocery store that day, if I did one thing that day, that was kind of it for the day, and I do have, like, specific memories of, like, dragging myself on the ground, and I was dating this pro-dom who made this joke um, that was, well, if you're going to be on all fours, you might as well be a dog, and something about that notion just clicked with me really well so I thought okay let's try it let's try it and I started like researching all the the gear and I really liked that it had like knee pads and it had like gloves on your hands I use MMA gloves so they have a lot of padding and it kind of gave me an excuse to wear stuff that padded me from the ground um because obviously like crawling hurts if the ground is hard um so I liked having an excuse to sit on mats and sit on soft things uh, especially because I was having a lot of trouble doing anything that wasn't on all fours. Like that became a very good go-to position because of the way it distributed my body weight. It just made me like more mobile for that period. Um, now I'm pretty, I'm pretty well medicated and I've kind of figured out what works for me. So I'm thankfully a lot more, um, I don't know, I guess like palatable, normative, I walk around now, <laughs> um, but that's how I found puppy play. And I found it to be very relaxing. Plus like 
a lot of cute queer people gave me hella attention. Everyone's like, oh my God, can I pet your puppy? <laughs> um, <laughs> plus everyone asked my pronouns and I was very early in my, in my medical transition. So not only like did it kind of give me a barrier between me um, and other people when it came to my gender, but it also put it the, the work on the person handling me to answer questions about my name, about what my pronouns were and about what my identity was and what I wanted to be called when praised, um, which was really relaxing for me, like as a trans person to put that effort on somebody else. So yeah, now I'm a puppy. <laughs> nice. I could sort of relate with that with my sir and, you know, mm-hmm. where people go to ask him questions about me and it's like, okay, he can handle that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so much nicer to like make someone else do the work. Like I'm service oriented, but not for myself. Like I'm not trying to do that work for me. Uh, Yeah. Um, With fibromyalgia, if I can ask, how Mm -hmm. do you find the difference between like nerve pain and then pain that you experience when you're doing play? Um, So for me, like I can only speak for myself, but I've Mm -hmm. noticed that the pain is very like sharp is how I would describe it. Um, And because sometimes I get like random, I also like broke a limb when I was um, growing up. Well, not a limb, a foot, foot's not a limb. Uh, I broke a foot growing up. So I've always had this trouble that if I start running, um, I will feel the, like, I guess the bone kind of move quickly and then I won't even be able to walk. And that's only gotten worse. I have like bad ankles. I'm like prone to spraining them really quickly. I'm um, not sure what that is. <laughs> but because I'm used to these sharp pains that like signal to me something's gone wrong and careful even putting a foot down next, um, I don't like anything stingy for the most part. It scares the shit out of me. It like throws my body into panic. Um, so how I combat that, because I do love impact play, is I usually have people punch me. And it just feels so radically different that I don't mistake the two. And there's something that I find very relaxing, probably because I like deep tissue massages too, about like deep impact, like deep tissue impact is my favorite. You could kick me for hours. You can punch me all day and I'm like at my happiest, but like you hit me with something slightly sticky and I'm like, hi, I have to go cry now (laughs) because that was too much. Yeah. Yeah, and I I often get that question too, because I deal with some chronic pain issues Mm -hmm. and, you know, BDSM play for me is totally different and it takes my mind away from the chronic pain that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's also this idea that BDSM is inherently painful or inherently like Mm -hmm. needs to have impact when impact is like one of the many things that you could do. Like for all you know, all I do is sensory play. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many ways to go about it. Um, I just happen to like pain, um, very specific kind of pain. And it's it's so funny because like some days I can barely stand up to cook. But if you like ask me if I want someone to jump up and down on me, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) please do Uh (laughs) and um you are the LA pup 2021 I see yeah that's true um so I was 2020 yeah so I was 2020 um but because of COVID 
um, this weekend that just passed would actually have been my step down. Um, But there is no contest right now. I was asked in April if I mind carrying it on. So for some people who have fetish titles, some of them are stepping down as they normally would. And they're just kind of canceling it for the next year. There's just like in the history books, there will be no 2020 or no 2021, depending on how their contest runs down. So like IML, there's no 2020 winner. Um, it just stops at 19 until they can have the contest again. Um, but for mine and for a few others, they ask you to extend your title. Mm-hmm. So I've been asked to extend my title and if I mind carrying it on, which I don't. Like I do a lot of online events um, and it's super easy to just slap the LA puppy name on it and be like, haha. <laughs> you know, as, as you know, you met me at an, uh, my mm-hmm. online teaching and that's, that's like my, my personal favorite thing to do. Um, it's just kind of like, I always told people like I wanted to be a bridge between like education and other people. And I like personal touches as opposed to like big broad events. So I like doing something where even if like only two people attend my class, I hope that I can connect with those two people and then they, they can walk away and be like, oh, I learned something today about somebody or about somebody else. So that's kind of how I've liked to run my title. It's shaking hands. It's well, I guess virtually right now, shaking hands. Mm-hmm. It's um, passing on gear to other people. I just gave a boy um, some boots this weekend for for like taking classes and like further educating himself. I was like, this is something that you want. And it's one of those classic cases of like, I had a bad dom. I've been shying away from the community, but I'm trying to like get back into it because I recognize that this person didn't treat me appropriately, but other people might. Um, so I'm like, thank you for getting back out there. Here's your first pair of leather boots. Nice. So like, that's just kind of how I try to treat myself as a title holder. And it's also about like, in my opinion, making kink and leather more accessible, especially for like BIPOC folk or trans folk and non-binary people. Like as someone who identifies as like a trans person of color, I want to make sure that other people who I see myself in or that mirror me in some way or where I was maybe like five, four years ago, um, get the support that they need. Plus this community is financially inaccessible, which um, I don't need to like say, I'm sure we all know it. And, you know, the more marginalized you are, the more that you feel excluded. And there's so many places like I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Like there, I know that there are no, certain bars <laughs> in in England still where if you don't show up in like full bluff, like they don't let you in the door unless it's like a nude night. And like as much as I like the idea of like a dress code, it's not always accessible and it also prevents people from learning about it. Like I'm not gonna spend thousands of dollars on full leather gear, walk in and then a month and go, you know what? This actually isn't my thing. Like, what would be the point of that? So I think, like, we need to let people also, like, in to learn about our communities if we want them to expand. Mm-hmm. So I try to help them expand and teach people and, and when I can, give away gear. Nice. And you want to tell us a little bit about the events that you run? Yeah, sure. So um, as a part of Obsidian LA, um, when we were still in person, we had four annual play parties. So every season we would have a new play party. Um, and then we would have what's called our holiday bazaar, which just highlights other like trans BIPOC uh, creators. So if you were a leather maker, if you screen print shirts, if you make zines, like whatever it is that you do, 
we would have you like table um, with no tabling fee. The venue was always something that people voluntarily gave us for free. Maybe we would pay like insurance at the most, um, but it was all like a voluntary effort. And then we would have drag performers and we would tip them. We would encourage other people to tip them. I boot black at those events because um, I love, I just got my own boot stand this year. So I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, and we would do things like that. Uh, we would sometimes take a month or two off. And then every month that we didn't take off and didn't have like uh, an annual thing, like the parties or the bazaar or our birthday party would be an education event instead. So it would be a class or a series of classes. So last year we did a, a rope series. So we got people in three sessions. Um, we got them from I've never really done anything to, with rope before to suspending people. And like, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the events that I help with, with my board. Um, on my own, I've done some, I didn't do much on my own with my title admittedly because of COVID. I did mostly traveling, uh, which I'd argue is still very important. Um, but I did do some fundraising for the, what is it? The Unique Women's Coalition. Um, which is for Black trans women. So it's here in LA. And so I raised some money for them with a, a holiday um, bake sale. Mm -hmm. So I called it Home for the Holidays. And it was really cute because all the trans puppies came out to support. And somebody donated a bunch of edibles, which I still like have a few cookies from that. <laughs> but we had people buying them by the bag full. I have them for the days that I can't sleep personally. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm like in too much pain to sleep, I just have like a little stash of these chocolate chip toffee edibles. Um, they're very good. That's great. You sound like working on making things more financially accessible and accessible for everybody. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's always the aim, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I also paired up with my friend, Ro Ruckus, um, who is an amazing pro-dom here in LA. Um, he's amazing, indigenous, hard of hearing, trans, a great person. One of my best friends has definitely like come through for me on so many occasions. Uh, we used to pair up together and I would basically help him uh, run these uh, pup moshes that he was doing these pet moshes mm -hmm. and they were like cutie BIPOC centric um, with a few white folks allowed in but in the summer we have like a big pool that we inflated and filled with water uh, and then we, I donated all the toys to the event which was about like <laughs> over $200 of dog toys and cat toys and like a few little bunny toys here and there um he would bring like Lincoln logs sometimes I would bring art supplies um we would I was getting um a pile of children's books because we also had a lot of um, age players that would show up because they love to pet all the animals mm -hmm. um so we I was getting a, a whole thing of children's books for this year but unfortunately because of COVID they're just sitting there um I did do um, a reading with them online over zoom where I read like queer children's books um because I just have them uh, we did pumpkin painting, we did costume parties, like we used to do all these like cute little things and people would bring snacks. I remember this would-be handler brought these like bacon chocolate s'mores that were really delicious and I might have eaten half of them on my own. <laughs> they were so good. So we used to just have a great time and I was also in charge of getting donations. So I would talk to like uh, I think it's Pet Place stickers. 
uh, Monopause, a few other folks, and they would donate, and they're all like either black or POC. Uh, and they would make pet play stickers, and they would send us pet play stickers to give out to people or just have them out. Um, I had Bobby, who was the original Miss SF 20, I want to say 2019, um, who invented the trans leather pride flag. They, she donated um, some pins to give out to Cutie BIPOC. So we would just have like a great time, you know. Uh, and then my friend Beacon donated uh, money that got funneled into buying knee pads and gloves for those who didn't have any to make sure that no one got injured while playing. So we used to also do like gear giveaways and they were just like also great to just have community around and have fun. And my favorite thing is when it's so stressful, but when it all came together, I would look at my friend Rose's face and he is just smiling ear to ear. And like, that's when you know you've done a good job. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, how long have you been in the scene? And can you tell us a little bit about your experience when you first came in to the life? Yeah. Yeah, so I I started researching when I was like 19. I always find this question to be a little tricky um, because I knew I was kinky since like the moment I was 14. Um, not necessarily in like that many words, but I was getting choked out with my wallet chain during makeouts. Um, I knew that's what I liked. I knew it was weird. And I knew that like not everyone was down. I didn't really know what it meant though. Um, and when I was around... 19 I don't remember what documentary but I watched a documentary that was showing how like porn was made behind the scenes and I remember seeing this really rough scene I remember that there was like bondage in it I feel like there was a drowning scene and then the camera's cut and it shows you the aftermath and it was this person holding the submissive and I had never seen that before. I never, like, I knew I went through emotional waves. I knew that my partner went through emotional waves. And this is even a conversation I had with them at the time that like, I am understanding that what we're doing also has like a down to it. And we haven't really examined that. And I'm sorry if I've ever made you like feel that what I was saying in those moments was true because it isn't. And so it taught me that like there are ramifications for everything. And even if this person like was asking to be treated a certain way in a certain moment, like in a sexual context, it's how do you make sure that they don't feel that way outside of that context? And I had never seen that. So I actually took a break from sex for about a year. Um, so I didn't have any sexual contact with anybody, um, uh, including my partner, like I just stopped. Uh, we're we were, um, we're not together anymore, but it's, we're still best friends, uh, which is, I think is very cute and very queer of us. Um, but we had an open relationship. So, you know, they were getting, they had their other partner, they had their, their other hookups, whatever it is that they needed to do. And I myself could do that, but I decided to take a whole year. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be a year. It wasn't until about a year after I decided like I need to slow down and figure myself out that I felt comfortable. It just happened to roll that way. But yeah, I started listening to a lot of podcasts actually and reading a lot of books and watching documentaries and going to talks and going to the pleasure chest for their classes and learning and figuring out like what I was about. 
Um, yeah, so that's how I, I entered. So it wasn't until I was 19 that I felt like comfortable doing the research. Um, when I was about 20, I started dating a pro dom. Um, when I was 21, I immediately started going to leather bars. Uh, I started going to the Bullet. And then after that, I started going to the Eagle here in LA. Uh, yeah, so I would like to say about 20, I really stepped into it. And I'm like 25 now. Did you feel like you were ever treated differently in the scene? And if so, how so? Oh, I know I have been. Because okay. <laughs> uh, the scene is so like predominantly cis, especially like from my perspective as like a queer trans person, I don't identify as masculine. I understand how gender is presumed and projected onto people. And I understand that I'm read as masculine. I use he, his pronouns. I had top surgery. People look at me and they go, oh yes, that's a trans man. It's not what I am, um, but I understand that like people le- look at me and they at the very least read me as masculine and that, you know, it, 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 what's the term I'm looking for? It helps them figure out how they're choosing me, whether subconsciously or not, but it's going to like how they're going to treat me, how they're going to, you know, um, interact with me gets altered by that. And I register that. So when I first started going to leather bars I was 21 and that means I was a year on T and I'd like to say that I, I was a pretty slow person when it came to changing I was always very androgynous um I remember like as a kid I was always I always got the are you a boy or a girl question um which I'm realizing isn't everyone's experience but definitely was mine and there was just something that was very ambiguous about my gender and when I started transitioning I became a lot less ambiguous to like the general populace you know um so I know that like as a trans person I've always been treated a type of way and that like at the beginning I was kind of treated in this weird infantilizing you don't know what you're doing look how cute you are Mm -hmm. look how small you are look how I could just pick you up I could just throw you across the room look how little and like people think it's cute but it's not cute it's a kind of scary to be like someone be like look how just small and weak you are and I'm like Mm -hmm. hey buddy (laughs) I know that please stop um I've had dates um, question why I take so many security pro- like precautions um, before meeting up with people. And I'm like, hi, I'm small trans. And if I go missing, I'm not sure who will notice right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because I used to go out a lot more and like disappear for a few days at a time. So like, if I disappeared on a date, who would notice? But I've also been treated like I don't know anything, which I think is interesting, like as an educator. <laughs> I've been treated like I can't play as hard as I do because of my conditions. I've had people who are really down to like hurt me and I'm like, fuck yeah, it's gonna be cute. And then they find out I'm trans and they can't do it anymore because they think something about being assigned female at birth means that I'm inherently weaker and therefore they're gonna hurt me. I've also gotten that one with, oh, you're disabled and I don't wanna hurt you. Uh, which is always funky to me because like come on I'm sure I can take way more than you (laughs) yeah and I'm like I live every moment at a like seven on the pain scale what are you doing like what are you at a two are you uncomfortable because you were at work for eight hours I wish I could do that (laughs) yeah I can relate to a lot of what you said um, in terms of disability people talking down to me thinking I'm a child or that I need help with everything yeah 
when my sir and I play, people looking at him like, what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when me and my daddy play, I should tell you how I met my daddy. Like, yeah. it's such a funny story. So I was like, uh, it was that blackout, which um, I don't know if you're familiar with Onyx, but Onyx is for like men of color, essentially. And it's for like, queer men of color. And this was when I was kind of like checking them out for about a year. Um, I was briefly an associate member of my local chapter. I don't really feel like going into the politics of why I decided to leave, but it just didn't work out for me. I, I don't, ultimately it's a men's group and I'm not a man and I don't really think men hold themselves accountable in a way that queer circles do. And I don't think they're there yet and I understand, but I think like I'm at a different level and they're just, they haven't caught up to my queerness and that's okay um but it's mostly like they advertise it for like gay by men of color um to have like a safe space uh and and for that it's great um but they have a biannual so every other year they have a meetup because i believe there's nine chapters throughout the nation and they all meet up at one chapter that hosts it and it's it's a very cute thing um it's very cute it's very colorful i probably would definitely go to blackout again even though um when my membership ends i'm not renewing it uh blackout's just a fun time but this past year it was here in la so it was in glendale um and i went and that's uh actually where me and my daddy met for the first time i had never met him i watched him walk into like the early registration like on a thursday and i remember grabbing my friend by the chest and pointing at him and going who is that and my friend went, I don't know. And I said, okay, we're going to find out. <laughs> That's the first time I met him. And I kept like going up to him and trying to talk to him, but I'm a nervous wreck. Um, and he was, he was very cute about it. He was very like sweet and he would like indulge me in my like, he could tell I was very starstruck by like how beautiful he is. He's just a very gorgeous person. He has like a lot of body modifications. I really like body mods, um, a lot of tattoos dresses in a very like particular way he very much stands out in a crowd and he knows it and he works it you know I remember he laughed at a joke um me and my friend were making and his tongue stuck out and I noticed that it was split and I was like oh hi there <laughs> <laughs> what's that you know I've always wanted to try that and then he was like well then come here and then like we made out for the first time and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> and like I glorify meeting him so much I don't know that he does the same I think he he's very like the stereotypical cool calm and collected daddy where I'll be like do you remember we met a year ago like this weekend and he'll be like oh really is that when we met huh okay anniversary I guess and I'm just like freaking <laughs> out and he's just like okay then he'll tell me about video games you know he's just very like back to what I'm doing which is like probably video games or like working out or something uh <laughs> but we were on um a bus like we met Thursday afternoon and then by Saturday we were on a bus together um because it was the play party of the event they had rented out a local dungeon it was sanctuary here in LA uh and we were all going to go there together and so I convinced them to get on the same bus as me I was like no you should you should get on the bus that I'm getting on you know and I asked if I could sit next to him <laughs> and he was like yeah sure I figured you'd do that and my head is like but consent I don't want to just like you know sit next to someone without asking <laughs> um and I was trying to like make conversation I was like oh your tattoos are so cool like why why a sleeve of dinosaurs and like 
why this? And he would just like give me these one note answers, you know? Um, and he had a visor on, which is the other thing I have to mention. So I couldn't even see his eyes. Like I could really only see his mouth. So like a lot of the facial expressions were lost on me. Mm. And I have a lot of issues communicating with people. I rely a lot of facial expressions. Um, so I was stressing. And at some point we got into a conversation about the Eagle LA. And I mentioned that I had done a scene there recently where five different people had taken turns stepping on me, typically two at a time, no more than three, but it was five people kind of like taking turns, walking away, coming back. Um, that ended with me like sobbing on the ground and like my ex's arms. Um, shout out to them because they're a wonderful person for like post breakup seeing me and going, I'm going to go hold this fucker. Um, and then they said something to me that made me burst into tears, which is exactly what I needed in that moment. And so I casually mentioned that and he kind of turned to me and went, you get stepped on puppy? Went, yeah, you know, I like trampling. And he goes, okay, can I step on you in heels? I was like, yeah, sure. I don't see why not. And he just put an arm around me and said, okay, we're going to talk puppy. And I like to say we've been inseparable ever since. (laughs) Um, We found, we basically got up on stage. If you've never been to Sanctuary, there's like a huge stage on it uh, and a pole. And turns out he's a pole dancer and he had been for like five, five, six years, something like that. Um, so he ended up like doing that and he's in like a leather corset, these heels, these like beautiful lace. And so people would walk in. The first thing they see is this big stage and they see what they're reading as like a femme Asian person and have this whole weekend. And I always love like flipping things on its head. So people have been reading him as femme this whole weekend and being like, oh, look how like cute and bottomy and blah, 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 because of this like preconceived notions that we have on gender and race. Mm -hmm. Um, And they see him and they think he's pole dancing, but then they notice the screaming and they like trace down his body and you notice he's doing that on a person and the person is me. (laughs) And I had people actually wonder if what we were doing was okay like I got told by people that were like running the event that they had people coming up to them going is that guy okay and their response was like oh Orion yeah we're very proud of him (laughs) (laughs) and the next day we all had like a group brunch and people kept coming up to the both of us anytime we were like we happen to momentarily stand next to each other or like quick say hi. Cause I kept like puppy dog coming over to him and just standing near him. Um, and people would come up to us and be like, what the fuck was that last <laughs> night? What the fuck did you, is this guy okay? And they would point at me and I'd be like, I'm a little bloody, but I'm fine. You know, like, yeah, his heels like ripped off some of my skin, but I took a bath. I listened to some Alex G and I'm okay. Um, but it, it was wild to people, especially cause I, you know, half the time I was using a cane. So people were very like, can you do that? Is that allowed? Like, (laughs) is he going to be okay? And then you get the questions of, is your condition worse because you play like this? Mm -hmm. Are you sure you're not doing further damage to yourself? And I'm like, look, I know what I'm doing at this point. I follow Rack. We talked about it. I'm all right. Yeah. I've had similar similar things with play also with other people when they see me play or is she okay and Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah I want more (laughs) (laughs) right like no harder (laughs) yeah and I I wanted to mention too you talked about um a breakup that Mm. turned into a a friendship and I've had that I've experienced that as well in the lifestyle I had a 
girlfriend who she and I broke up, you know, just didn't work out. But mm-hmm. now we're good friends. You know, we're going to run into each other at events. Yeah. So it was like, okay, you know, we're going to see each other and, you know, we still like each other. We don't hate each other or anything over mm-hmm. what happened. And uh, it's just been very positive because now I see her and I'm happy to when I see her. And yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, I, ha- I have both. I have the oh. ex who hates me and rants yeah. about it on Twitter. Um, and then I have like my best friend who we were together for four years and it took about a year to get like back to good friends. Mm-hmm. But now, like, even though I wouldn't say they're a particularly kinky person, they show up to my events and they love them and, and they like go to support me. This is before they moved to Vegas. Um, so unfortunately now they live in another state, but like I helped them move um, again. Like I helped them move when they moved here in LA. I helped them move when they moved state. Um, and we talk like all the time we were FaceTiming what fucking yesterday <laughs> and then on the other I also have um, the friend that I mentioned that was holding me the ex they're an amazing robot and just like a sweet very intuitive person and so I distinctly remember like when I finished that scene I had trash thrown on me there was cigar ash falling on me I'd been spat on and I was just like sh- just shaking and finally I rolled over and they scooped me up into their arms which I never understand how they're able to lift me because they're they're they they look like so tiny <laughs> but somehow they have this amazing strength and they like scooped me up into their lap and they just went hey I got you and I burst into tears and I don't think if anyone else had said that I probably would have been like yeah thanks um mm-hmm. but because of like who it was I like just started crying for a solid 20 minutes and I have this distinct memory of hearing somebody go is is he okay and I whipped around and just like thumbs up and was like, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. And then I turned back into their lap and kept crying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like one of those connections that I'm super grateful for. And I probably wouldn't have had that closeness if I didn't like date them, fall in love and then like break up. Um, so I'm glad that we still like are able to retain this closeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had some of those scenes with my sir where I'm also a bit of an exhibitionist. So we were playing in Same. front of a group of people. <laughs> you know, we we're playing in front of a group of people. And I just got to the point where, you know, I was it just started bawling my eyes out. It was it was just very cathartic for me, you know, it was mm-hmm. like just releasing everything. And um, so then he got nervous because it was the first time I ever cried like that during uh-huh. the play. So he asked everybody to leave the room and then he, you know, took me down and, and, you know, did some aftercare and, and it was mm. great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have this. So I have a friend of mine who I jokingly call my femme top um, and we went to Folsom together. Um, and then the person that I was not like necessarily seeing, but I was sleeping with and playing with at the time. And I wore one of those dog prong collars, which I fucking love. Um, and they were using that to like yank me in a sling forward towards them and fucking me with my own like strap on dildo, um, which I, I love when people do that because they take the thing that I use on other people and they use it on me. And there's something that like gets in my head about that. <laughs> and it was the night before Folsom. So like I was so exhausted that I had to do Folsom in my wheelchair, um, which was very cute because then they spent the rest of the day, which in my opinion is like, an extension of the aftercare they spent the rest of the, the full sum um, pushing me around in my wheelchair and they're like yeah I'm the service femme today I'm just gonna nice. like help you out <laughs> so it was it was so sweet and like yeah. they're definitely also another like case of like a really good friend that's awesome 
They took uh, photos of me when someone jumped onto my wheelchair. I think I mentioned it in my class and like knees first and like just slammed into my thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's pictures on my Instagram of me looking like in a lot of pain in my wheelchair. And I love that. Like, uh, it just makes me very happy. I also love being a puppy in a wheelchair because sometimes I feel like I'm in one of those dog strollers and I'll kind of lean on the side of it and just bark at people as I pass by. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> you had also mentioned the type of pup that you are do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah sure beautiful beautiful story yeah so I I consider myself a bull terrier um which is perfectly like in my favorite little little access of dogs um I really like terriers for their personality I think they're amazing they're super tenacious they love to dig you know they're hunting dogs and then I love bully breeds because they're very like positive reinforcement focused um they're big they're stocky they're muscular um they're just silly they like making people laugh I like to think that you know I'm kind of a, a similar way but my favorite thing is that most bully breeds because of their history of blood sports are also have like a huge pain tolerance so it's actually a concern so I had a stuffed terrier and I took actually took her to the vet and got told that her back legs were really like after years of having her she was 11 and jumping off of like high things because she would like to climb and then jump um, that her back legs were you know really wounded but she walked like nothing and it was just such a relatable thing because I always get the like you don't look disabled and I don't always use my cane because I also have like arthritis in my hands and carpal tunnel and I can like feel it and sometimes using the cane and being in that position for a very long time starts to hurt my, my fingers and my wrist and my elbow, um, especially because I'm a short person and I have to like get canes that are smaller and not all of them are as short as I need them to be. So if I just buy an inexpensive one, I'm like, eBay or Amazon or something or like at Walgreens or something like that then it's not going to be the height that I needed to and it's always going to have my elbow a little too high and I eventually can't do that so some days I'm like I'm giving my hands a break and I'm not doing a cane today and I'm not supposed to do my manual wheelchair too much because it messes with my back Um, I was told that by my body therapist Uh, the guy who does all my massages and does all my yoga with me pre-COVID. Shout out to them. I really miss them. (laughs) Um, But I can walk around as if like I don't have a limp, as if I don't like feel pain all the time. And for me, it reminded me of that breed. Yeah. So it reminded me of that breed about like how because of their history, because of their breeding, they're so they're just so tough. And I feel like there's a strength in being disabled that people don't recognize. Um, I'm seen as weak because I can't walk to the corner store most days, but it's because of the level of pain I'm in. And so I try to like channel that breed and be like, I'm going to be fine, especially when I'm in my headspace and I'm playing and I'm like running around and I can feel that like my legs been hurting all day. I've been kind of like walking and like shifting my weight to one side and like walking in a way that is very clear that something's wrong but when I get on all fours and I'm in my puppy headspace and I have my pads and I'm on my mats like I can wrestle you down and like maybe I won't win but for a minute I will hold my own (laughs) yeah a lot of us are very resilient right (laughs) absolutely yeah my Sarah says something about me when when we got together the thing that 
attracted him to me, you know, was just mm -hmm. not the things that I go through with my disability, but how I handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And I, there's something that's very beautiful about that. Like mm -hmm. for me, there's a, a photo set that me and my daddy did um, where in one of the photos, so I have the, I have my knee pads on and I have my hands and those little puppy mitts and I have my face in one of those hoods where only my mouth is showing. And I have like my, I'm like on my arms and knees and he's standing on my back in his like Wesco's. And I think that there's something about that photo that just makes me feel so strong. Like I could just hold him up on my back like that. And I think that's beautiful, especially like I can do it really well when he does it with his boots, when he does it with his heels, because of the point, it's so much harder because it's a very stingy pain. So I can only do it for so long. But every time he does stand on me in his heels, oh, I feel so strong. And I think there's like a beauty in that as well, because it's the strength of like how when he feels feminine, it hurts me more but in a way, and like, I can take less. And I think there's something beautiful about that. Cause like femininity is always seen as like inferior or like somehow less strong, but I'm like, have you ever walked in heels? I can't do that shit. I fall. I know I fall. I got a boot with like a one inch heel just to make myself look a little taller. And I fell down some stairs. Like I can't do that shit. <laughs> he yeah. is so tough. I don't know how he sits in that corset all day. You also mentioned different types of service that you like to do. What, what mm -hmm. type of service do you do? He said boot blacking and... Yeah. Um, so back when I was, again, dating that pro-dom where I discovered I was a puppy, I also discovered I was, uh, you know, like a little... I like to say uh, like an amateur boot black. I don't know all the tricks and I don't know everything, but I know enough to keep your boots nice. Um, and maybe I'm like giving my... Like I'm selling myself a little short, but uh when they would go off and they would see clients I would often clean up their stuff so it looked all nice and new for everyone um and that made me feel like in those moments where I couldn't really do much and I couldn't really have scenes that I was still a part of them and my daddy lives in the bay and I live in LA so we're like um, about a six hour drive away from each other and I don't drive um because of my anxiety and he doesn't have a car so typically to see each other, he has to rent a car or I have to take a bus and buses, you know, aren't really good for me uh, or take a plane, which is like preferable for me because uh, it's, you know, less time. But there's also at this time of COVID, the concern of like more exposure to people from different areas. So when we pre-COVID, when we were both very busy, you know, he had a job, I had my job. And then I was also touring, I would go over or he would mail his leather to me. Uh, and I would clean them up for him or he would mail like a backpack. I have a leather service backpack that he mailed to me. And he's like, anytime you come over, you bring it full of your stuff. And so I do that. Uh, and I just got to like, clean up all his stuff and make sure he looks his best so whenever he has his events or he has doing something at a bar and he's all dressed up and he's like you know full other like uh his full other bluff then beautiful perfect like that's I did that and so when people tell him he looks good I get excited because I'm like I did that that was me yeah. I made sure he looks good mm -hmm. and since he also lives in the bay um there's a lot of worry about his leather like getting mildew so our next thing is I'm actually going to set up a boot kit for his place so that I don't have to haul my stuff back and forth because sometimes it gets heavy and I'm not always in the the day that he's picking me up I'm not always in the mood um, my daddy 
is also a masseuse. So sometimes when I go over, the reason is because I'm not feeling well. And he'll take care of me for a few weeks at a time. And then I come home feeling better. So with that in mind, I don't always want to like have a bulky backpack that's like full of boot stuff. Um, So I'm creating uh, a little kit to take over to his place because he has some stuff, but not everything that I personally like to work with. You know, everyone has their preferences, but that's definitely like my favorite act of service. Um, I don't always do the cooking. He usually does. But if I can wash the dishes or if I can help with like some small things in the kitchen, uh, I like being like his little assistant chef. Um, I like to cook for him when I do feel well. I've like made him like, you know, French toast or like quesadillas or something. And I, I <laughs> jokingly calling it like my big boy breakfast. It's as elaborate as what he calls his daddy breakfast, which is whatever he cooks for breakfast is always going to be labeled daddy boys elaborate has been all the like important you know food pyramid stuff that uh I don't always you know get a chance to do all that but I try my best so I and it's usually on the sweeter side so I'm just going to call it my big boy breakfast (laughs) uh but yeah that's there's that I so I maintain his boots his heels his leather um and I also like serve him by fulfilling his sexual fantasies so like being trans um means I have a little more options for orifices for things to go in and he gets a thrill out of what he like his version of hole training um and he kind of switches off between what he wants and he'll ship me toys that he wants me to try out um and that's like the other form of service that I provide him that he's just very enamored with my body in a way that isn't like gross and fetishizing um but instead like amazed by how tough and like resilient and like you mentioned um and also like how much I can get filled (laughs) and I love that because it's showing me that my body can do things that I did not think it could do um so that's very fascinating to me and I think it it puts me in touch with my body in like a great way that I I didn't know that I could be in touch with and I think like as a trans person and as a disabled person that's like very important yes that's awesome uh what advice would you have for new people people with disabilities coming into the scene? Um, I think my main advice would be, if someone tells you you can't do it, they're not imaginative enough. Like straight up, um, there's a way. And I mean, there's so many things that we call pervertibles. And if you can figure out how to make like five things in your kitchen into like some kind of kinky prop, then you can figure out how to play with a disabled person. If someone tells you that it's not feasible for you to do something, they are just simply not creative enough for you. And I think like as disabled people, we always find really creative ways to do things. So maybe talk to your fellow disabled kinky people because we're out here and we're going to help you. Like we're going to figure something the fuck out and we're going to find something for you. Like, I don't know. Like one of the doms that I play with is one of like, in my opinion, one of the hottest people out there. And I love his perspective on attraction because it's basically like, if someone's into me, I become into them because like, I'm just into people who are attracted to me. And I think that's like a beautiful form of sexuality. And I love whenever people who are very visibly disabled, like come up to him and go, oh, would you ever consider? He's just like, yes. he's just like yeah like you think I'm hot fucking great and I love it and and I love the fact that he's also disabled um and people just don't think about it because he's not visibly disabled 
but like I have just kind of jam-packed my life with like disabled kinky people at this point and I just make sure that they're like all around me because like people have this weird notion that it's not possible and I'm like bam hard of hearing Dom right there like what are you talking about like come check out my wheelchair using handler friends like fuck you like we're gonna find mm-hmm. a way and it's also like made me very proud of my beta because like I think the first time we went to an event um where he wanted to serve somebody somebody who uh, a wheelchair user saw him and wanted to play with him and he was immediately like I get to serve somebody fuck yeah and so it made me like a very proud alpha in that moment like there's people out there who are fucking down and when people tell you they're not they're way too normative for you and that's boring fuck that yeah <laughs> well, I'm so glad we met <laughs> yeah me too yeah, I love uh meeting other people in the scene uh, oh absolutely so, same yeah so if you would just tell people if they'd like to follow up with you or get a hold of you, or if there's anything that you want to plug, any events coming up. Okay. Or... So I am on break for the most part. Uh, you said this would come out in a few weeks because you have to transcribe it. Yeah, so... it will likely be November 30th. Okay, so the, the my next event is on 21st, unfortunately, but... It's uh, a trial. It's more like, I'd like to call it a meeting point oh or something like that. Um, but I'm turning Chronically Kinky, my class, into uh, a social support group. Awesome. So it's going to hopefully be either monthly or bi-monthly. We'll see what the interest is. The first one to gauge interest and talk and see what people want will be on the 21st. But its official launch is actually in January because I'm giving myself a bit of a break um, for the month of December and most of this month. Um, So the way to find that is to, well, I'm hoping that we'll put it on FetLife. Um, You can find me on FetLife at Pupstar Orion. Hell, you can find me on everything at Pupstar Orion. I have Telegram. I have Instagram. I have a Facebook um, I have a LA Pup Facebook page where all my events go, as well as a, a page that you can friend. I don't always friend people I don't know, but I do have a page that you can like, and all my events go on there. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Pup Space. You can find me on FetLife. You can find me on everything, really. Like, it's kind of hard to miss me. You can find me on Twitter, but that is mostly an NSF account. So I will, (laughs) I will warn the people, uh, if you like pumping and silicone eggs, well, I'm the person for you apparently. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that more like chronically ill, kinky and disabled people find us at chronically kinky. We'll, We'll just be sharing space and like, you know, just having time for each other and making space for each other, giving one another advice. And me, I will be facilitating that along with my friend Garnet Pup, who's another disabled player. Um, yeah. I think that's the only thing I really have coming up right now. Um, If you're a cutie BIPOC, I recommend following Obsidian LA. That's Obsidian underscore LA. We also have a website, Obsidian dash LA. Um, And that's where we'll be posting our cutie BIPOC stuff when we, we're also taking a break. When we get back to it, um, probably, well, we'll have a meeting in January about it and see what we're doing. But we do monthly events, education events. We just had our first virtual play party on Halloween which was actually really amazing. <laughs> I did a really gross scene with a pumpkin. It was great. Um, and I can't eat candy now because I ate so much candy and was force-fed so much of it that it makes me sick now. 
So if you're missing that, why are you missing that? What the hell? <laughs> you should check us out. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. This was such a fun and thought-provoking interview. Please follow Pupstar Orion on all social media and look out for the Chronically Kinky Social Support Group. If you are BIPOC, check out Obsidian LA. This was a great experience for me to interview someone very different from me, but who turned out to have very similar experiences. It's a great reminder of how diverse people with disabilities are. Not only with race and gender, but even with our kink identities. I knew very little about puppy play, even being in the kink scene. So it was important for me to bring on a guest that had that lived experience. So who better than pup star Orion? On each episode, I'll be posting a question for you to consider. Today's question is for those kinksters out there. What is your kink identity? How did you choose your identity? Are you a pup or a kitten? Are you a daddy dom, a switch? How did you come to your kink identity? Please go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R ability.com and share your thoughts with me. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and I'll be back with a new episode on December 14th. Thank you for joining. Stay well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S-I-R ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.